0: Welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. I'm Coach Kevin Furtado. Welcome again. Today is episode 118 with Coach Lason Perkins. Lason Perkins has coached basketball for over 30 years at the high school, college, and professional level. He is the author of five books and created over 20 videos for basketball instruction. He is presently the head boys basketball coach at Cary Academy in Cary, North Carolina. Coach Perkins also works with "Whistle and a Clipboard" podcast as a guest for "Between the Lines," a segment of the podcast where show hosts Jason Oates and Coach Perkins discuss books relevant to coaches in all sports at all levels. Layson Perkins is recognized globally as one of the basketball's coaching minds, having coached at every level of basketball, from elementary school. To the professional ranks, Coach Perkins is renowned for his creative schemes and grasp of X's and O's, which have in constant contact with coaches from around the world looking to utilize his insight and teachings. Coach Perkins resides in Cary, North Carolina. I'm really excited to <clears throat> today to co- uh, talk to Layson. Uh, currently, he's uh, running his virtual coaching uh presentations and it is unbelievable 155 or more coaches that are presenting uh daily uh, i started on uh um, <clears throat> march 19th and uh, i just want to kind of pick his brain on on what the presentations are 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 doing for coaches out there particularly now with everybody at home all the coaches at home i think it's a, it was really a um just a great idea to kind of get keep coaches involved, and I think it's going to carry on to something really big that uh, Lason has started. So, coaches, I want you to really welcome, and I know I'm going to have a ball kind of picking his brain on different things. Coach Lason Perkins, Lason, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, Kevin. Layson. how are you?
0: <clears throat> hey, Coach. How you doing?
1: I'm doing good. How's everything going?
0: Doing great, man. I know you're a busy man right now. I'm telling you, uh, the program you're putting on and so forth with all these presentations, man, are absolutely just—they're awesome. They're great.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah, it's been—it's—it's uh, it's been fun putting this together, and uh, just really excited about how it started with a little tweet uh, has grown to this, and it's actually still growing.
0: Yeah, and I, I think you have, and we're, I know you're going to talk about it a little bit later, but. Um, I think you have something that's going to carry on. Cause I, I tell you what I love about it is I, I watch a lot of videos and of course I do my podcast, listen to a lot of podcasts. It's very personal. Um, and that is you feel like you're one-on-one with this particular coach. Don't you agree with that? Or.
1: Yeah, I I think so. Because I, I you know, sometimes I think in the, you know, in the traditional clinic setting, there's, there's somewhat of a distance and, you know, the, the speaker's in a hurry and, you know, but obviously this situation is so different right now because I think we want that connection. You know, with us right. being quarantined and and feeling like we can't go anywhere, so being able to connect and 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 be able to um, interact with others in the chat room, I think is just has really been a, a critical uh, a, a critical part of this.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it, Lacey, and I and I feel like I, I feel like you're a part of my family, man. I have all your books and videos, man. So. Um, I think I think I pay part of your salary for that. so but I, I just want to tell you what a great job you have done throughout the years as being a major contributor. Tell us a little bit about you and uh, how you got started in the game and also kind of what you're doing right now
1: yeah so i'm uh so I'm currently the head coach at Kerry Academy which is a, a private school uh, right outside of raleigh uh, I've been coaching really for 30 years I started as a uh, a student manager at uh, Northwestern Louisiana. And then when I moved here to North Carolina, I started working at the high school level. And then um, shortly after that, had an opportunity to coach uh, with the uh, USBL team, uh, the semi-pro league uh, that was here in Raleigh just for a season, but that was an amazing uh, opportunity to coach there. And um, at the same time, I was uh, starting to write uh, articles for a publication called Basketball Sense. And uh, that led to... Uh, that led to the videos, which were done back in uh, 2007 until about 2011. Uh, the, the producer of the uh, videos asked to basically buy the rights to my books. And so uh, two two videos turned into 20 and just like that. And so it was just that right there led to a lot of the relationships, which now uh, are people that are speaking during this uh, clinic. So it's just been a, an amazing ride in a sense to be able to not only, you know, be a coach, produce instructional content, make these wonderful friendships with coaches around the world, but now have this opportunity to help during this time.
0: Yeah, and I mean, tell me about all the peoples. I know you come in contact with so many people. Which guys kind of are established really as your mentors right now? I know you've met so many great people. Hey, you got to give me some stories of some great people you have met through all of this. Who have really had a tremendous impact on Lason Perkins?
1: Well, the, the first one would be Coach Don Meyer. Uh, I remember when I was uh, writing for um, Basketball Sense, I had the opportunity to go to Coach Meyer's academy and to take notes for, for the publication. And Coach Meyer was kind enough to actually let me stay at his house with That's him and awesome. his yeah. family. So there also happened to be a coach there who was at Marshall University at the time uh, by the name of Billy Donovan. And so the, the next morning at breakfast, I'm sitting there and I've got, uh, you know, I've got Coach Meyer and, and Billy Donovan, you know, and they're telling stories and exchanging information. And I'm just silent. I'm just trying to absorb <laughs> as much as I can uh, sure. in, that, in that conversation. Um, the second one would be Kevin Eastman. Uh, when Coach, Coach Eastman uh, left Washington State University and, and basically came back to Richmond, uh, I remember reaching out to him and, and actually driving up several <laughs> times just to visit with him and, and, and talk to him and kind of you know pick his brain for ideas. And so one, one trip, he was coming from from Richmond to Charlotte. And I remember we met at a restaurant in Hillsboro, North Carolina. And in that conversation basically was the genesis of, of him just talking, hey, I've got some ideas. I'm thinking about doing some things. And that conversation was basically the genesis of coaching you because I remember him talking about, well, these are some of the things that I eventually want to do. I want to do this. I want to do that. And and basically that's how really I think coaching you was kind of birthed, you know, kind of in the you know, in his mind during that time frame.
0: Yeah, you're you are right at the uh the beginning of that, the genesis of that. And tell us a little bit more about Kevin Eastman and also Brendan Sir. I mean, you guys are all very similar. You guys uh, are really trying to share with us coaches why is that so important now? Um, and I fear you guys have really started something great. And I think The virtual coaching clinics that you started, man, I I think this this is going to be. It's going to end up something great for all of us coaches. Give us the why of why you started the virtual coaching clinics.
1: You know, to me, the biggest why was was again, you know, the the moment when Coach Meyer opened his door to me and there was no strings attached to it. Um, The time when Coach Eastman would would let me literally come to his house and take notebooks and take them over to Kinkos and copy them. Of, of what he used to run and some of the things that he did in his system it, it's it's really trying to give back as much as I can to the game to all those who have given to me and you know I think about the coaches I've met on my my travels my my wife and I recently um well before all this we actually did a cruise and it started in Barcelona and so I had an opportunity to meet uh, a youth coach with the FC Barcelona club and he gave us a tour of the facility and so you know here 's a young man who shared some of the drills and ideas that they run there, which you know I, I really liked and um, a few minutes later, the actual, some of the p- actual soccer players from SC Barcelona walked into the gym, so that was that was kind of of an amazing moment there but um, just knowing there 's coaches around the world who just can never maybe travel to the u s and go to coaching you or come to North Carolina and go to one of coach k 's camps is a chance to really give back to them and at the same time. I've met some really bright people in my journey and I'm thinking it's kind of almost like star search. How can we help them? How can we put them in a platform that will increase their visibility and maybe help them in in their growth?
0: Yes. And you have, what what was it Lacey? I think you have over 155 coaches, correct? Or, or not only coaches, just people part of the game. How did you get so many? And it's amazing how many have, are really just willing to donate their time. That says a lot about people, doesn't
1: it? It says a lot about our coaching community, about how special we are. And, you know, we're we're going to probably – I imagine by the time the, the podcast comes out, we'll be close to 200. So it's not just me. It was also Lee Klein, the uh, former CEO of uh, Five Star Camps. Uh, Lee uh, started with us about a week ago when this kind of started. And, and this actually started as a tweet that I sent <laughs> To, you know, basically saying, hey, who would like to get together, maybe talk basketball, you know, in this time frame. And all of a sudden I had 20 or 30 responses. So I'm thinking, well, I don't have a big enough Zoom account, you know, to take 20 to 30 people. I have maybe about, I could take about five people. Uh, And it's usually some coaches from Georgia that uh, I I, I like to have conversations with. Um, And then what I did was, okay, well, let me see if I can come up with a solution. So I reached out to a guy named Wade Floyd who runs a company called CoachTube. Now, CoachTube yeah. is basically the, the, the leading um, sports technology company. They, they have a site that allows coaches to basically market their, you know, their courses. And so I, I knew Wade had a Zoom account because we'd used it before. And I'm like, Wade, you know, is there a chance I could use your Zoom account? And he asked me, well, what's the reason why? I said, well, you know, here's <clears throat> what I'm looking to do. And he's like, you know, I think that's a great idea. And in fact, I actually own the URL coachesclinic.com. He's like, you think that maybe we could put something together for coaches? And I'm like, I I think we could. So I started reaching out to, you know, my kind of, you know, within my networks and the relationships I had. And then Lee comes in and starts bringing in coaches that he, you know, that he knows and has relationships. And then Kevin, it seemed like each day, you know, you have obviously, you know, you have your early adapters, you know, to, to, to things. Once those early adapters, you know, had the first couple of days of the clinic, then it just, all of a sudden we're getting emails and and, and calls from people saying, Hey, I'd like to take part in this as well. And that's, that's been the amazing part of the growth.
0: Yeah. I was kind of wondering how you, how you did that. I know coach tube was part of that and so forth. Um, <clears throat> and I think that the access to the videos, Layson is, is so easy. Everything's so easy. And zoom is just so, I mean, it's just so easy to use. Um, tell us about the positive things that are going on and maybe some, some areas of concern that maybe or, or is everything just going really smoothly, just give us a little breakdown on what's going on with all the presentations well the,
1: the, so far, the presentations have have been phenomenal um all the all the feedback's been very positive in terms of the of the, the the actual topics um you know of course, you hate to cut off a speaker um you know when they're they've delivered a great presentation there's lots <laughs> of questions that the uh, audience members have, but because we're using. Um, two meeting rooms. You know, we we quickly have to end the session so that we can start the next session. So, you know, that's kind of the, the part that I hate because, especially, right. it has done such a good job. You know, I hate to say, hey, you know, time's up. We've got to you know get the next speaker in here. But uh, there's there's a group of people at Coach who who are working extremely hard to keep the technology up. Obviously. You know, there's demands right now on on bandwidth and in terms of people going on the Internet and, you know, doing everything at home right now. So they've done a fantastic job of of keeping the technology up. And, yeah, we've had a couple of glitches where um, a recording or two did not get recorded, but we're already kind of coming up with a way to try to maybe redo that session or things like that. So, you know, it's a paradigm shift because obviously you and I both know and the coaches know we're used to being in a gym with players We're used to being in a a room with a board in which we can draw on, but we can't do that right now. So this is really our only way to really help ourselves and to really grow. But also at the same time, what I like about this is that, you know, often when we try to reach out to someone and they're like, well, I'm busy, you know, I've got this going on, I've got that going on. Well, right now, the only thing they can really do is sit at home and, you know, (laughs) exactly. so, you know, you really kind of got a captive audience in a way.
0: Yeah. And you got to, you just got a wide variety of great minds. I mean, I'm going through there going, man, I wish I could watch all of them, but I can't. Um, but you also, you got replays. So I'm really telling all my listeners, Hey, you gotta, you gotta check this out. And I think you guys did a tremendous job and really logistically organizing this. And do you think there's something that you can learn from this for the future? Maybe maybe digitally an online clinic or something like that where players on the court, what are y'all looking at? Yeah, we, we actually
1: have talked about that, that eventually that, you know, the, if the, if we can get the ability to live stream uh, <clears throat> which if the is there um, that that would be kind of the next evolution in this. And, um, and that's really, you know, would be kind of the next part is to show um, you know, clinicians and companies who are putting on these clinics, you know, how to be able to live stream it or, you know, to record it, and kind of what we're doing and and provide it have a digital setting in which to do that and that's really what coach tube does that's kind of what their specialty is and if you think about it from a if you're a clinician you know there's often you know I don't know all the the different uh the numbers in terms of number of people that sign up versus number of people that show up or actually show up for the clinic but just imagine you you're able to extend your reach beyond just maybe the the area in which you're doing your clinic in to others who have an interest in the topic, or maybe you have a speaker locally that speaks at your event that they have an interest in. Well, now this allows you basically to expand, you know, your, your brand and your clinic to basically around the world.
0: Yeah. And I absolutely love that. And I I have a coaching friend of mine and also his son that he's a video producer. He's actually not in work right now. And we're actually looking to get into uh, producing uh, instructional videos and so forth for coach for high school coaches. And there's a lot of high school coaches that I interview that are really interested. And I know champion productions and so forth. So I'm, I'm kind of picking your brain. I love the live stream because I have a uh, live, I, I have a clinic that I do a legends clinic where I get high school coaches from all around the country. And that's something that we're looking at. But you, like you said, Lason I don't get, I get a lot of people registering, but I don't get a lot of people coming to it. Is that, is that a problem really in our coaching culture? I think
1: it is because, you know, you get, you know, we all, we're all busy. I mean, I, I, I plan to go to this event, but my son gets sick or I, yeah. I want this event and sure. we, we've got a little challenge financially. And so I can't make it to that event, but if there's a way for me to still be a part of it, even if, even if, if it's digitally, then yes, you know, then I'm, I feel good that, okay, I can still access that material. I still have an opportunity to learn and, and be able to, to get something from the event.
0: I totally agree because I think clinics, I hate to say it, they're almost like dinosaurs now. There's still some great clinics like uh, Coaching You and so forth. But for us, for local clinics, it's becoming really a struggle. But you know this, Layson, there are some great high school coaches out there that I absolutely love and you would love to watch and listen, right?
1: Absolutely, no. I no. I totally agree, and that's some. And I remember when I first started in the clinic business, I remembered something that Coach Meyer once told me uh, when I was <laughs> at one of his academies. He said his greatest challenge every year was trying to find something fresh to present at his event. You know, because he, you know he was known for his transition. For you know, he he did a lot of incredible things, but. At some point, you know, you you want to have some new people. You want to have some maybe something different to share with your audience. And so I agree. There's some great high school coaches out there that are just doing some very innovative things because, you know, they have to innovate in their situations. They can't necessarily run what they see on TV. So they have to come up with something different that works for their players and works for their situation. And so, you know, why not give them an opportunity and a platform to share it so that they can maybe – help another coach who's in a very similar situation.
0: I, told, I think we can relate to high school coaches, and I think compared to the college coach, and I want to know what you do at Cary Academy. So you have learned from some of the best. How do you apply that to your school you're at and kind of relate it to your school? Because I know our school, we don't have great players. We have to make players. So what do you do? What are some of your key things that you do do you teach your, your kids the game of basketball?
1: Well, one of the things I did is because I have, you're right. I mean, I've been exposed and I, I know a lot of concepts. I know a lot of ideas. What I really had to do is really make it simple and simplify it. Now, I was very lucky. My first three years at Cary Academy, I had an assistant coach by the name of Gibson Piper. Now, I'm sure everybody knows who he is. He runs a website called uh, Half Court Hoops. Okay, so Gibson did an incredible job with our offense and 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 putting a system in that worked really well and you know we we had a young man on our team that was um, that's now playing at rice university who 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 played really well for us, so it was really you know a system designed to help him get open and get him shots, but at the same time we, we had a really good point guard who was very unselfish and would push the ball up the floor and, you know, get it to the shooters. And then we had a, a young man who was a, tr- a cross country runner who ran, who's running cross country now in, in college, who would just sprint down the floor every time as a rim runner and, and we get layups. So for me, it's been how simplifying what we do as much as possible. This year, we only had really three sets in, we ran a floppy action. We ran a Spain pick and roll action, and we ran a um, horns action because I had an, a, a senior who was a over 40% three-point shooter. I had a a young point guard, but who could penetrate and really get to the rim. And I had a a freshman post who really loved to set screens. He did an excellent job of setting screens. So I tried to put them in in as many two-man and three-man situations together in order to create points because we did struggle in other areas. The the other thing we have to do is I really have to maximize my practice time because I'd say about 60 to 70% of my players are playing other sports are involved in things that they do not put in as much as they don't have the time to put in as much skill work on the side as I would like for them to do. So I have to adjust my practice so that I'm spending a lot of time on skill work and helping them develop. So trying to simplify the game and make it easy for them to execute has kind of been my challenge.
0: Yeah, I think we're all like that. Cause I'm at a small school as well. We have my girls. I coach girls, our girls play three sports. And I do have some that are really good and can play at the next level, but tell me what you do with skill development, because I think that's the ultimate trick. I think with coaches, how do you apply the skills to your offense or defensive system?
1: Well, one of the things that I've I've really gone to is this whole concept, you know, that Kevin Oliver, I mean, uh, Chris Oliver talks about with decision-making in in small-sided games. So, You know, we took the offense, you know, offensive elements, you know, this year and just broke them down to as many two-man and three-man actions. And in that, we really started to work on our skills. And especially when you have defenders in the action, that really helped them with the decision-making and understanding. Because often when we do some skill work, you know, there's no defender there. So they're not really learning how to react, you know, how to make decisions based on what the defense is doing. So a big part of that. And the other part is just shooting, trying to get as much shots up as possible when we get our skill workouts in because again since we're in that situation of not being able to do as much work as I would like if i'm going to err on any particular side i'm going to err on the side of shooting i want to make sure we try to get up as, as much shooting as we can in those workout sessions
0: yes and um, do you feel like are you one of those that are you is your offensive system very similar to a lot of teams, you know, layups, threes, or you're more of, you know, more of a mid range, or more of just trying to find open shots. What, what is your, what is your offensive system at Curry Academy?
1: Well, it's, it's, you know, it's predicting on obviously if we, if we can, if we can get the ball down the floor quickly and get a layup first, that's what we want. And then once we're, once we don't have an opportunity to go in the layup, we, we kind of play more of a, you know, kind of a four out, you know, dribble drive kind of variation. Just try to keep it simple with uh, dribble handoffs, uh, kind of almost like a pistol action that, right. uh, Utah, um, Utah Valley and, and BYU has run. We went to that late in the year because we had started with some, some dribble drive elements early in the year. And we just weren't, it didn't seem like we were really doing a good job of picking it up. And so we just said, let's just go to more sets. Then the sets would expire into the, um, into the, uh, dribble handoff, um, actions. So, um, obviously from there, you know again looking at the players that we have i'm just you know really trying to get my best players as many shots as possible so with those three running those three sets and then we'd have little variations within those sets um that's why i tried to do it until the, we got to the point where okay if i've got some more players that a little bit more consistent scores maybe we open it up a little bit more and play a little bit more free a little bit more motion so it was almost like i'm, I'm trying to I hate to say control the shots, but I really needed situations where I needed my best three scores to be taking the majority of the shots.
0: Yes, and I, I think many of us are in the same situation. So I think a lot of the the listeners can definitely relate. Um, and I know this: the listeners that are, that are listening here. Hey, if you need offensive information, Lason Perkins is the man. To uh, now, w- when does it become an issue, Coach? You may talk about simplifying. I think, and I'm, I'm kind of guilty of this as well, I think sometimes I overthink, maybe even overcoach sometimes, the offensive game. Is, is that a major problem, you think, with a lot of high school coaches?
1: I, I think we do because I, I often think that sometimes what we're, what we're really guilty of is that we see, we see this really cool action. Like, you know, Gibson may post this really cool set on his uh, YouTube channel or, you know, Liam Flynn, who's, who's one of our speakers, he'll have a clip from over in Europe you know, of what teams are doing there. You see this really cool action. And then you, you go to put it in.
0: Hey, this is NBA skills coach, Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball. And you are listening to the Championship Vision Podcast.
1: And and your players are struggling to execute it or struggling to hit shots in it. And you're getting mad. And then, you know, what, what you realize and what we should realize is that, you know, it's not the set, it's the execution and the teaching of it. So for right. me, it was like, you know, rather than having eight or ten sets, let's have three or four things that we do really well, you know, that are, are somewhat consistent that allow us to get into, you know, some type of action if the play breaks down, which it's gonna break down 70% of the time, you know, you're playing in that kind of situation. And then from there, let's really focus on spacing. Let's look look to attack. You know, as soon as we catch, we're looking to attack or we're looking to move the ball. Or shoot right that moment, and just space the floor. You know, use some basic dribble drive principles, and then go from there. Rather than sitting here every day and working on all these sets and 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 doing five on zero, and and not having a defense out there to really simulate what they're going to see in a game.
0: That's a great point, and I and and I know that you use a lot of horn set. I know your video was on what they call the A set. We use a lot of horn set this year. One issue we had, we had one great point guard that we tried to free up through, you know, a high ball double ball screen. Man, we had so many calls from refs calling illegal screens where it was purely contact made. We gave her a step. Is that an issue with the horn set at the high school level? We got referees who mainly really do not understand how to call the, the screens. And we got called on so many. A lot of times looking back on the tape, our player was set but there was contact what what did you see a lot from running horns at the high school level
1: i see the same thing in fact one year it was getting so bad that uh, <laughs> that gibson just said look we're just going to slip it you know right. we're just going to make it, we're just going to make it a ghost screen and that was probably more effective because now the you know the, the defender is on the screeners thinking okay i've got to do something i got to you know i got to jump to the outside i've got to switch all of a sudden that player just slips out of the way and now you know, the defender on the ball who's thinking, okay, I've got help behind me. It's not there. So now that guard just, you know, is driving downhill and now forcing the back of, you know, the back of the defense, the second level to now have to help in that situation.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. We actually had to go to that at the end of the year, number one, foul trouble for our, our bigs, but it was, it was actually, like you said, it was getting frustrating. And sometimes you just have to go to something else, right? The referees, is that what they're seeing Um, Are they seeing just contact possibly or because they're going to be contact, particularly on back screens. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think they're just anticipating. And, you know, you and I both know they're probably, it's it's probably the wrong uh, official making the call, you know, in in terms of (laughs) positioning, Sure. That never happens. Right. Right. Um, So I think it's just situations (laughs) like that. And so, you know, that's where you're like, okay, you know, so I got to make an, I'm going to have to make an adjustment here. So that's where, you know, in our mind, the ghost thing work. And then sometimes we just, you know, we just went to kind of more of a just five out pass and cut. And so that way we're just eliminating sure. screens and not having to worry about the officials making the call. So now we're, if anything, we're going to force them to make a call on the contact on the drive with us going to the basket. So that's another way to kind of avoid that as well. And just, Hey, we're going to spread the floor pass and cut and then just eliminate the, all, all the screening actions.
0: That's a great point Lacing. I, I think that's a major issue. I think and from what I've seen in high school is there's not a lot of screening, but, I also think there's a major issue on, on referees knowing how to call illegal screens. I, I don't see a lot of screening at the high school level. I see some ball screens, particularly at the girls' level. Um, is that a, is that a major issue now with, with really calling illegal screens? Is that, is that a problem, or are we not teaching it very well?
1: I, I think it's both, because I what I often have told When we work on our ball screen stuff that I often tell Mm -hmm. the guard, if there's a legal screen, it's it's probably 90 percent of the time your fault because you didn't wait on the screen. You did not set the defender to come off the screen. So I'm not going to put I'm not going to be as upset with the screener. I'm going to probably be more, you know, upset with the the person with the ball because they did not wait. Because I think what you and I probably would say the biggest problem is that player with the ball going too fast or playing too fast. yeah you're right for that screen and maybe setting up the defender because at a certain point that allows you now to reject the screen because the defender's thinking that okay i've got to get over the screen or i gotta get under and as soon as they shift their feet now you can basically change direction and drive it
0: Yeah, that's a great point waiting on the screen and so forth and also the correct angles on the screen is it too hard particularly at, at your i mean your level my level I mean, with, with our athletes not playing a lot of basketball, is it worth using a lot of screens? That's the question, correct? I mean, or like you say, you went to a pass and cut system.
1: Well, I, I, th- I think for those players who are eventually looking to get to, you know, to the college level, they've got to be able to play off ball screens. So you have sure. to have some element of ball screens in it. Now, that's really why I like the Euro ball screen stuff, because it's a continuity and rather than just a simple, um, just one screen and then you play. Um, with the continuity, at least, you know, you have all three players, you know, all three of your guards with the opportunity to come off screens. And, you know, it kind of structures your post players in terms of what they do. Plus, um, I thought Greg White made a really good point today on, on a clinic that I did with him was that instead of playing inside out now, we really need to play more outside in by spreading the floor out, playing higher and then, you know, attacking, you know, attacking from there. So um, that's, you know, it's kind of my thoughts around that.
0: Yeah, I was, actually, I was actually watching that for a little while. Greg, I, I had Greg on a podcast. Another terrific high school coach, right, Lason? I mean, there's some Absolutely. great ones out there. Um, hey, let's talk about defense. I know you're busy. I know you have to go, but talk about defense. At our level, we play teams that are more athletic. So we play a lot of matchup zone or just pack line. What do you do at your level?
1: Well, we played, we played pack line for, for the mm-hmm. first three years. And I, I liked it. But one of the one of the challenges that we felt was that any time that we had to prepare for a team that played like heavy overplay pressure and and really did a good job of overplaying the lanes, we really couldn't simulate it in, in practice. Right. So what we did is we basically went to you know, back to a kind of on the line, up the line uh, type of, of man with, you know, with ball pressure. And, and, and the thinking was that, OK, if we need to adjust and back off, we can do that. I think it's hard to do it the other way where if you're starting in pack, and now you've got to get pressure, you, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to do that, but it was mainly more from the preparation standpoint. But I think what we had to do because we were spending so much time working on offensive improvement and offensive skills, it's like, okay, I can't spend the 20 to 30 minutes I would normally spend in shell. So I need to make sure that shell is, of, you know, I'm working on as many actions as possible. And so, we just decided we were gonna switch everything. So we start switching all screens. And then what that allowed us to do is to really focus on guarding the ball, trying to keep it out of the lane as much as possible. And then once the shot went up, boxing out.
0: Yes, and not only that, you gotta add the transition defense and, and giving up a the easy layups. Um I know those at the at the higher levels, the better teams are great at transition. Um that's a great point. I, I think I I think the difficult thing is to devote? What do you devote your time to? So you agree coaches need to really focus on a priority list of what they want to be good at, correct?
1: Absolutely. Because and you've got to pick, you can't be, obviously you can't be good at everything. You've got to pick the three, like I think Sam Van Gundy said this one time, you've got to pick the three or four things that you do consistently every game. So for us, it's like, you know, we've got to do, we've got to rebound. We've got to do a better job of rebounding, which was a struggle for us this year because we're smaller. We play some very big athletic teams and we just had difficulty box, do, boxing teams out. You know, the second one was transition defense of us being able to get back, get the defense set. Third thing was, you know, obviously the the movement of our offense with, you know, making sure that you know we're able to spread the floor, being able to, you know, get good driving kick actions, and then the fourth thing, you know, I think in my mind was really, especially on the um, defensive end, was being able to switch and and guard, you know, mismatches because obviously if a big gets onto a smaller player, they've got to be able to adjust their, you know, adjust their position and, and be smart. Or if I'm a smaller player and now I get switched to a bigger player, you know, how am I going to guard him in the post? Or if they try to suddenly isolate and try to go one on one, what are we doing in that situation? Which was for us, was hey, we're just going to kind of jump into a two, three shell of like a zone, right? Just zone up as much as possible. Because, I mean, honestly, I don't see that many teams at the high school level that when they see a mismatch, you know, all of a sudden they recognize it and take advantage of it. I mean, if you've got better players than me, it doesn't matter. You're, <laughs> exactly, you're, you're, you're gonna beat, you're gonna beat me anyway. I'm just gonna try to kind of stem the, the 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 flow as much and as, as much as possible until it just the damn bursts, so to speak.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I, I don't, I don't. Um, you know, maybe at the high levels where you got trim, even at the higher levels in high school, I don't think they're focusing on mismatch. To be honest with you. Um, so what have you learned, Lason, from particularly on practice planning? Because I'm a big practice. What have you learned so far from coaches who have talked about practice plans? Is there anything that you can apply to what you're doing now at Cary Academy?
1: Well, you know, Coach Meyer was really the the big one that kind of helped me with that. Because well, what I try to do is I work in 30-minute blocks. So we have a, a 30-minute block of uh, fundamental time where we do we work on all of our fundamental both offense, offensively and defensively. Then we do a team offense block where we, we work on, you know, our five-on-five five actions, either zone, man-to-man, Get our you know try to get our baseline out-of-bounds situ- you know, situations <clears> and <in throat> things like that. Then we do a 30-minute defensive block of, you know, this is where we're getting all of our three-on-three, four-on-four, five-on-five actions, and we'll mix our transition defense into that as well. And then the last 30 minutes, what I'll try to do is I'll adjust it and, and take about – 10 minutes for do some situation work, you know, like press offense or or time and score situations, but try to have at least another 10 or 20 that if I need an extra 10 minutes for, for fundamentals, or if I need an extra 10 minutes for, you know, this particular area, I have it. And then obviously, obviously the season goes down, we're cutting that time back to where, you know, the final week of the year, I think we're in there for maybe about 30 to 45 minutes.
0: Do you think as a season progresses that coaches neglect more skill development I think I see that as a major issue, which I think actually at the end, we actually need it more than the beginning. I know that sounds kind of crazy. I think we need to sharpen the skills more at the end.
1: Oh, I agree, because, you know, early on, we're trying to get as much of our system in and then it just gradually Mm -hmm. goes down. And then all of a sudden, once we get into game and conference mode, now we're going over scouting reports. Now we're going over what we didn't do is, you know, do well in the last game. But you're right. Now we're sacrificing that time that we need to work on skills. And so to me, it's like I, I've got to maintain that skill level. I've got to make sure that we're getting, you know, game shots up every day. We're working on decision making in these situations. I, I, you know, again, I can't I don't think you can sacrifice that. If, if, if anything, I may have to sacrifice some other areas like uh, maybe some situation work or, you know, maybe, in, you know, some, something on the offense. Maybe we're not working on out of bounds plays that day. But I, I don't think you can really sacrifice your skill work on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree, Lason. I and, and would you would you be in agreement that we focus on too much? I'm a believer that you come in with one major concept that you want to get better at, and it's funny how when you do that, that from focusing on that, everything else gets better. Yes,
1: no, I I do because I think we we all get up, we get caught up on you know on a trend or something that's going on and we want to just kind of follow that. And it just, you know, it, we end up going down a rabbit hole in a sense and it just it <laughs> doesn't sure. take us anywhere. So no, I, I would totally agree with that.
0: Lason. before you go, can you give me, I always, I, I ask the coaches here, Hey, give me your, give me your DNA drill. I know Greg White calls it the DNA, but give me a drill that that Layson Perkins does daily so we can learn from you.
1: Uh, our i think our daily drill that we do which i really love is 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 the um well you know fast break build up where you go two on one three on two four on three five on four five on five down and back yeah i love that yeah we do that for offense we, we we have an offensive emphasis we have a defensive emphasis and what i like to do is i like to keep score uh during the on both sessions then i i really i really love this idea i've got this from a coach uh named doug brotherton uh in uh, Houston, Texas, he said to take the score from that drill. And maybe, you know, let's say it was 25 to 20. So yeah. now what I'll do is I'll say, okay, it's um, 45, 40. We've got two minutes left. Now we're going to work on time and score situations based off that.
0: Okay. Yeah. you. I, I love that. I, I love how you can connect that because I think we're all trying to, and don't you agree time and score can be worked at not only at the end of practice, but maybe at certain phases of practice where you throw it in, almost surprising the players to see where their mindset is. Correct.
1: Not only that, but one of the things I've done before is I'll actually, you know, we'll, we'll put the team we'll put the team into, you know, the you know the for us the the blue team and, and a and a gold team, and we'll we'll give each team a clip or and we'll say. Y'all come up with the y'all come up with your play here. Yeah, we're gonna put, we're gonna put ten seconds on the clock here. The ball's gonna be on the sideline. You you know you run you know you set your play up. We're not gonna show you what to run in that situation. and, you, and actually yeah. they have come up with some really good ideas, which you <laughs> know, I'm like okay, let me let me write that down because that was actually pretty good. Which I ran there.
0: So I guess what you're saying is, I mean, we need to give the players ownership and. I think we'll be surprised what the players actually absorb and know. I think I, I'm not sure we got almost got a lesson control of that.
1: Oh, no, I, I totally agree. And in fact, you know, in that situation, I tell the players, look, if it works, you're getting full credit for it. And <laughs> if it, if, and if it, sure, does, I'm, I'm, I'm taking it. You know, it's on me. You know, I'll, I'll say, well, I just, I drew up a bad play there. You know, it just right. probably wasn't my right play for us in that situation. So, but it, it gives ownership. You know, that's one of the things in a a timeout. Sometimes I'll just go, Hey, what, you know, what are we running here? I'm like, you know, what do you want to run this situation? And they'll say, Hey coach, let's go with this. And like, okay, let's go, you know, and I'm, I'm going to put it in their hands. And, and it feels like that they, in that situation, will take that ownership and go out and and do their best to execute it. And again, if it doesn't, if it doesn't work, then, you know, we're going to learn from it. We're going to take the lesson and say, okay, what can we do better next time in that situation?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's all there's it's, you're you're always learning, right? I mean, so that that sounds like that's part of your philosophy. Hey, tell me, uh, before you go, uh, I actually started my podcast. Really, Jason Oates had his whistle on a clipboard. I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. Jason has done a great job building up that podcast. And now you're partnering with him. Tell me what you guys are doing with the podcast, because I think you've added some great segments to it. And I just love what you guys are doing. Kind of give us an update on your podcast.
1: Well, well, Jason's kind of taking the lead on it. Uh, I was mainly working with Jason um, on the book, on the book part, the uh, uh, the book segment where we would, uh, we would do a review of books, but, you know, Jason's really k- kind of looking to take it into a different direction with some of the, some of the ideas that he's learning from the the three principles, um, uh, uh, inf- you know, that information and just kind of providing that segment to it. And, um, I think it's interesting because you know Jason he was on my staff as an assistant coach with me for three years and you know he he really is really focused on team development and, and really on on getting players to be the best version of themselves and and does a really good job of it so um I'm hoping at some point maybe we can pick up the the, the book segment again but you know right now he's really um, expanding his um, looking to maybe work with coaches one on one as well and so he's, he's he's doing a lot of the know um, you know, really kind of, you know, what's what he sees in the the coaching world and and thoughts that he feels like can help coaches in their day to
0: day. Yeah, he's come a long ways with the podcast. And I think, you know, I I definitely feel podcasting is definitely the way for the future. I think it's great communication. I have a lot of coaches that I have met, including Lason Perkins, that you guys are really just tremendous contributors to the game. Tell us, tomorrow what you have what are some great i already know kind of who's who's coming up give us a great guest that's going to be on the um presentations tomorrow Lason.
1: oh okay let me let me take a look here i'm gonna (laughs) pull it up pull it up right now um well i'll tell you what it's gonna be tough because on the 11 at 11 o'clock central time you got luke Yaklich from the university of texas the the defensive mastermind yeah um and you have Dave Severance, the uh, uh, the player development coach, or, or used to work with the, uh, used to do player development for the Clippers now he's a scout. So you've got him. Of course, you've got probably the the the, the, the I guess the Godfather of skill development, Gannon Baker. Yeah, uh, yeah. You've got him, and uh, Doug Novak from Bethel uh, up in Minnesota. If you if you if you're not familiar with Doug, um, ch- ch- take a look at his website, CoachDougNovak.com. Excellent, excellent job of of doing skill development and run some really interesting and innovative dribble drive motion concepts. Okay. And then evening you got Randy Sherman with Radius Athletics who does a a phenomenal job with his program. And um Ryan Kruger. Ryan Kruger is a um he's a former nba coach. Uh he's now with the uh he worked with the uh G League and um he's gonna be doing a segment on practice planning, but he's just really has some really bright ideas and, and and just some really good concepts, and so um it's really hard to pick one in particular in that group. <laughs> sure there's there's so many good ones i mean um but I, yeah i would definitely say that that at 11 o'clock hour is gonna be pretty tough because i really you know i wanted to be you know be the moderator for the dave severance one but i'm doing uh, luke Yaklich, but i get to ask him a lot of questions about defense so that's gonna be fun
0: i know i listened to luke um i listened to him on a podcast and i forget which one it was he was excellent I mean, he, he's, he has a great defensive mind and I think I forget the actual concepts that that he was talking about, but um, he's super. So, I mean, I listened to him on a podcast and I'm curious on Doug Novak because we run dribble drive and I really want to see how he applies it to the skill development part. So, so don't you agree that coaches need to kind of seek out what they, part of their system, right? How they can add it.
1: And that's what Doug does the best. I think. His skill work is basically their offense. That's kind of, and that's what kind of drove me this summer was sitting down not only with him but Mark Casio as well, and just kind of, kind of picking their brains of, you know, as far as you know how they were, how they were developing that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to tell you, Lason, thank you for taking the time out, man. You're a busy. You're probably not even sleeping. On. Um,
1: uh, well, I did. Manage, I actually did manage to get about seven hours last night. The, wow! The first night, <laughs> I only slept maybe five hours in two nights because first, the first we were just planning and getting everything done, and then the night before Thursday, it was just like I was so nervous. It's like I, I this, please not you know, please no issues, please no tech things, and <laughs> it, it it worked well. It like I said, we just had a couple of glitches with the um software at times with sending out notices and then the scheduling. But no, overall, there's a there is a group of guys who are working very hard to, to make this possible. So I want to make sure that I, I thank those people as well.
0: Well, I see nothing but positive comments. And, and the ones that I have checked out man are just great. I just love the, you know, kind of the personal connection you can get with these great speakers. Lason, thank you again, man, for sharing, man. You're a major contributor, man, to to all of us coaches. I just want to say thank you for coming on. And I appreciate everything you do.
1: Well, Kevin, thank you. I mean, I've I've heard some really good things about you from our, our mutual friend Alan Whitehart.
0: Okay, and, sure. Um,
1: and, and would love to be able to get down there at some point and, once this all gets over with, and and meet you in person and uh, and and talk basketball then.
0: Let's do it. Let's do it, Lacy. Thank you so much for everything you do. All right, Dave. Hey, good luck tonight, and I wish you the best on finishing out all these uh, all these great presentations. Thank you so much,
1: Kevin. Thank you for
0: having me. All here. right. Take care, now. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I'd love to help you get game results this season. Check out a free trial of my Pure Sweat training app on the Google Play and App Store today.
1: Hello, my name is Rory Hamilton. I'm the head girls basketball coach at Norman North High School in Norman, Oklahoma. If you're looking for top-notch basketball coaching instruction and help, Look no further than the Championship Vision podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. You can listen about our five keys to success at Norman North Girls
0: Basketball, along with many other podcasts at championshipvision.org, or listen on Spotify at Championship Vision. Happy hooping.